All right, I'm going to get us started, even though we could keep talking around the table. I'm going to get us started. Yep. So uh, as we're kind of just toggling our brain, what, um, what have you thought about in, in this class that either you've learned or have been challenged with um, a thought either around the table, something from the book? that maybe has stayed with you about who Jesus is, maybe either something that affirmed what you already knew or, or something that um, maybe you hadn't thought of or known. Yeah, I mean, I was reading through, and, and it's in the book on page 20, and there's a note in here, uh, a scholar at University of Chicago estimates um, that more has been written about Jesus in the last 20 years than the previous 19 centuries. Wow. Wow. That was just like stuck with me. I was just like, wow, mm-hmm. like what precipitated that? Like, mm-hmm. is there a movement? Is it, yeah. you know, just people just coming to Christ more now? And, yeah. But yeah, not really stuck well, out. M- more interest, yeah. you know, more conversations. I believe there's kind of a understanding that history-wise, the popularity or the conversations about Jesus in 500 AD wasn't as much as 1,000 or 1,500 or today. So it's always incrementally moving up and more people are talking, more people are, you know, kind of reworking their life around who he is. And so I think that's somewhere there. I also heard that Christianity is the only religion that has changed its epicenter at least four or five times from Jerusalem to North Africa to Europe to the United States maybe to now Latin America or Asia or um, Africa. So it's kind of an interesting thing too. It shows that the gospel is the most inclusive because it, it is adapting to every environment and able to be welcoming uh, to, no matter what the culture. Uh, what else? What have you either learned or affirmed or it, you've been thinking about it? I like in the book in chapter 3 it talked about the Jewish roots and the background. It, it's deep. I mean, it's a lot. But mm-hmm. I liked how he compared the different people of the time and, and kind of thought about where he saw himself, similar to like what we saw in the video last time from mm-hmm. The Chosen, but yeah. like being honest, which mm-hmm. one would you be, a Sadducee, a Pharisee? Uh, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was really, it kind of made me think the same. That's right. Like mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. So. I do think it's interesting that the taste in our mouth about Pharisees is generally bad now because we've read the story and they're the bad guys, but truthfully, Jesus was probably a Pharisee and he's probably harder on them because that's, he's one of them. Almost like when, you know, you see somebody of faith that you think their beliefs line up with your beliefs and they are being duplicitous, that's extra hard on you than say someone that you would, you know, not value their view as much. Good word. Good word. I reen, which means peace, by the way. So the reason why you felt peace when she walked into the room is because her parents knew she was going to bring peace. Anybody else? 
I like the temptation story. Mm. I had never thought of it like that. Mm. Wow. good that really does kind of mess with you a little bit of wow how much am I hearing that all the time I think there's the the key question that the devil keeps asking is if you are the son of God and I think there's something about identity that I hear in my head if you are the beloved if you belong to God if you consider yourself a Christian, then, you know, there's that temptation. And it's always kind of aimed at our identity of our worth, and who we are deep down. That's good, Pat. Um, I'm now going to hit reflections. Uh, here's kind of what we said last week, that it's not so hard to believe that Jesus was a great teacher. And when you look at the evidence... But really, kind of where the rubber meets the road is uh, Jesus proved that he was God. That's what the Gospels are leaning towards. The Lord of the Sabbath, I am the door. All of these things that lead toward the conversation of, is he God Almighty? You know, even the, the passage where uh, the Jews are taking stones to, to stone him, and he says, why are you doing this for a good work? And they said, no, because you a man or trying to make yourself God. So it's kind of like, well, you know, Mr. Rogers wouldn't get stoned. Not in a drug sense, but in a, you know, in a kind of a torturous sense. Um, so anyway, but does that hit you no, as we kind of walked through that? Any of that kind of toggling something in your brain or... Does that feel good with you, or still need more time to think about it? I just think it's really easy to agree with people in our culture that he's a good teacher. Like most people would be like, yeah, 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 he's a good teacher. But then really to be like, but what was the substance of his teaching and it was really he was trying to prove that he was God, and that is that does not land well as easily with people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to turn it over to my bride, who will talk okay. to us again. So yeah. About so the... we're gonna um, just always go over these ground rules because again, it's just it's it should settle us, and we want to remember that first we are a group of learners, and we're all on this journey together. We want to be curious and open and interested always. We've done such a great job of respecting each other, haven't we? Just everybody has a place at the table. Um, remember that no question is off limits. You guys have asked questions, but keep as they keep coming to you, hopefully you'll just keep offering them. That's really important. Be patient with each other. Be diligent to learn. Remember that this is not about being perfect. This is about a process. We're all on this journey together. And finally, that, uh, or sorry, two more, be willing to be transformed. We really don't want this to be a lecture. This, we really want this to be transformational for you. So um, we're trying really hard to, to do that. So that means engaging and really just, I don't know, I call it getting muddy. 
with stuff like right like you're just gonna roll around in it and just like challenge what we're saying and 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 be be okay about that like really making sure like do I agree with what they're saying you know that's all about how you get transformed and then um, just remembering that the Bible really is our foundation for everything that we talk about in here it's gonna be the the level the level so we thought it would be fun to just um, today we're going to be talking about the incarnate Jesus, that Jesus was human. And of course, that started with Christmas. So we thought it'd be fun around the table just to take a few minutes and talk around your table. How was the birth of Jesus part of your Christmas as a kid? Hmm. Was it? Was it not? Um, just talk for a few minutes and then we'll, we, this is not, we're not, we're just talking around the table. Okay, I'm going to pull us totally. all back together. Um, tonight, it's my time, my turn to tell my story, so I'm really excited to share with you guys. And, um, you know, we, as I said, we're talking tonight about how God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to the world to show us what he was like, to live like a man, and to you know die for us and what that makes me think of is god is a pursuer that god is somebody who pursues me he pursues people the whole world he pursues you and so even when i was a little kid and i didn't know anything about god he was pursuing me and so i grew up in a home that was a loving home but it was a home that God was not talked about, God was not thought about, and uh, God was not important. And so my parents were kind of self-made people, and so they pursued things like their career, money, power, fun, all of those things. Happiness was a big part of our growing up, but never did we ever think about God never did we ever talk about him. So when I think about like my very first memory of thinking about who Jesus might be, it was Christmas. And um, so I don't know if most of y'all have heard of this, the song, The Little Drummer Boy, right? It's my very favorite Christmas carol. So when I was a kid, there was a Christmas special. Now this is way back when, when you had three channels and you had to pull out the TV guide and you would say, okay, what are the Christmas specials coming up? And you sat yourself down in front of the TV or you'd miss them. And so, but my favorite Christmas special was The Little Drummer Boy. Has anybody, I'm just curious. The one? Yes, yes, That's terrifying. <laughs> so uh, my very favorite one. And so I think about God's kindness, and I think about how he kind of knocked on the door of my heart mm -hmm. through that Christmas special and through that song because I loved it. And I related to that little boy who had nothing to bring, and he, but he had to come. He had to go to the baby Jesus, and he had to worship him. And so that was me. Like, I was like, I kind of love this baby Jesus, but I didn't know anything about him and I didn't know how to find out about him. So fast forward just a little bit to when I was probably in like fifth grade, let's say. We lived in Chicago and um, I was a big music lover. And so somehow I got my hands on, uh, again, you know, clueless person on, on this. 
Does anybody know about Jesus Christ Superstar, the Broadway musical? So this is my, um, my two record set. And I played this thing to death. And I, you know, and I, I loved it. And my mom and dad, you know, I, I still have no idea how it came to be in my possession, but I loved it. I loved it. My mom and dad, they saw how much I loved it, so they bought uh, piano music. We were all trying to learn how to play the piano. So that now I have the, I don't have that for to show you tonight. Hey, come on in. Come on in. No, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, <laughs> so uh, we got the piano music, and I'm playing Jesus Christ Superstar on the piano. My mom and dad took me to downtown Chicago. We never went to downtown Chicago to see the musical. Again, all, and here's what, so if you know anything about Jesus Christ Superstar, it's the gospel, it's the passion of the Christ, but it is a little maybe 70 twisted thing kind of, but I didn't know, I didn't know a single person who went to church I didn't know anything that was going on in churches, but this man, this Jesus, he was brave and he was loving and he was interesting to me. He caught my interest through something as strange as, isn't it so amazing how God pursues you? So when I was in sixth grade, we moved south. We moved from Chicago to Alabama into the buckle of the Bible belt now, all my friends go to church. They go to church with their parents, and um, I'm kind of like, I don't know what y'all are doing over there at mm. church. I'm kind of glad I'm staying home. I don't have to go to church. And, um, but they were all, that's kind of was culture. That was the culture, right? So one day hanging out, this is probably when I was uh, maybe older, like ninth grade, and hanging out with some friends, and this one boy, Steve, says, I've been, I got saved this weekend. And I was like, what is he talking about? Like, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that means, but I didn't have the courage to ask. All I knew was that Steve was excited, and I thought, this has something to do with God. I don't know what it has to do with God, but I think it does have something to do with God. So that night, I laid down my head on the pillow, and I said what I think was my first prayer. I said, I really wish I knew a priest that I could talk to about what is happening with Steve. Like, what's going on here? And I think that God, the pursuer, mm. heard that prayer. And he was like, I've got you. I've got you. Mm. And so fast forward maybe a couple more years, a year or two. And um, my sister was getting married, so she's older than me. We went out to her wedding in Texas. And the pastor who was doing the service after the rehearsal dinner, he kind of said to me, he's like, hey, are you, are you a Christian? And I'm like, well, I said, and at the time, I really have no idea why I, I know I was being honest when I said this, but I said, well, I do believe that Jesus is the son of God, but I am not religious like you. Like I, I don't go to church and I, whatever other religious things you do, I don't do those things. But I do believe that Jesus is the son of God. And he said, well, that's good, but you know, being a Christian really has nothing to do with going to church. It has to do with having a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, okay. And I, I didn't really know what that meant either. But he asked me, do you wanna say a prayer and invite Jesus into your heart? 
don't know what that means. Can you see, do you see a theme here? <laughs> uh, clueless, clueless, right? So don't know what that means. And so we're talking back and forth. He said, don't you want to do this? Don't you want to do this? So finally I was like, sure, I'll do it. So I said this prayer and invited Jesus into my heart, which I believe began something, a very small step with me, because I left that conversation. Well, he told me, do two things. He said, read the Bible every day and go to church. And I left that conversation confused and like, I don't really know what just happened, but all right, whatever. But God, again, he took that really tiny offering mm. from me and, um, and that prayer and said, I can do something with this. And so he, weird enough, weirdly enough, and again, I think this is God's sovereignty, I went, I got a Bible. I got one of those read through the Bible in the year, in a year. And um, I started reading the Bible. Every single day I read the Bible. And when I got my license, I started going to church. Now I sat in the back. I didn't talk to a soul, never, the whole time. For like two years, I never talked to a soul. I sat in the back and I left church and just kind of lived my life. I just kind of, same kind of old teenager life, like with all of the teenager stuff that teenagers do. You get the picture, right? So I, um, so I was, I was growing by these little tiny, tiny bit, but I was clueless. So I went when I was choosing schools. I decided to follow my sister's footsteps, and I went to Baylor. And Baylor was the first um, place that I ever had Christian friends. And so now I have these friends who are excited about teaching me about God and I'm talking to them and we all decided to go to this charismatic church. And this is the first time when I said that prayer, there were no bells, no whistles, no warm gush of whatever people say, come, nothing like that, no emotion. It was just, I'm just doing this. But when I got into that charismatic church, there's a lot of emotion going on for sure. Like there was excitement and there were bells and there were fireworks and there were all these things. And I got kind of like enamored with that, right? And so I would have that experience while I was at school and then I would go home. I had no friends. I had no Christian friends. I had no Christian community. And I would just kind of go back, live. This is, this is Janet here. This is Janet of Birmingham, Alabama. And this is Janet of, the, of Dallas, Texas. And I did that for a couple of years. So to say I lived two lives would be 100% accurate in every way you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to my senior year of college, and that is the year that I met Robbie. And... Um, <laughs> I'm not going to look at you. Okay. Um, and so I was um, kind of still trying to sort out stuff. And when I met Robbie, I had never, ever, ever, never, ever, I had dated tons of guys. I had never, ever, never met anybody like him. He had never, he, I was his first girlfriend. And so two weeks into our kind of getting to know each other, I sat him down and I said, look, I need to tell you all of the bad things that I have done. You are not going to want to be with me. You, um, let me just, let me, and for literally, y'all, I'm not kidding. Two weeks into our relationship, 
45 minutes, this man sat. It's like a confessional when I didn't even know what that was. And I just told him, like, here's all of the things. Here's all of the things. And something really profound happened in that moment. And something that um, taught me more about Jesus than any sermon ever had. And that was how he responded. And he said, um, he said, okay, well, I know where you've been. But what I'd like to know is where are you heading? And if that's not what the best definition of grace you could ever hear, I don't know what, it, what is. And it was that day that I learned what grace was. That grace was all about, and God says this to us. He says, I see you. I see everything. And I love you. And I want you. And I want to give you a new life. I want to start over with you. And so from that moment, my life was like this. And I learned about grace. And my life started going like this small little steps. There was no more of this. It was small little steps. For 37 years, I've been taking small steps towards God. And he's, he's got me. And I, he celebrates every single step I take. And I know that's the same for you as well. He's celebrating every single step that you take. So thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you for showing me what grace is. So Okay, all right, so here's what we want to do. We want to circle back to Christmas. Whew, come out of that. Whoa, <laughs> sorry, y'all. I can't tell the story without telling it that way. So here's what we want to circle back to Christmas and say, okay, if Christ came, we learned this last week, he came to reveal God to us. And this actually is a Philip Yancey question, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do we learn about God from the first Christmas? So if... If God's purpose in sending Jesus, one of his purposes was to say, look, look at me and um, you can look at Jesus and you can learn about me. What can we learn about him from the first Christmas? So I'm going to give you just a minute or two. Oh, is this a dis group discussion? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're just going to all talk together. Or it's a table. It's a, it's table. a table. Talk at your table and then we'll, we'll circle. Um, we'll talk in we'll just report. a minute. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So I'd love to hear, like, what, what, what were y'all discussing? What was one of the things that you learned about God from Christmas? Just everything. He, he was the royal king yeah. of the universe of all creation, but he came to earth as the most humble human being, you know, born in a manger, like you said, just yeah. to show that uh, to be one of us. Yes. Know. Yeah, humble, right? Humble and one of us. Like he made this journey. That's so cool to be one of us. Good, good. How about this table? What'd y'all talk about? Matt. So the, the thing that I came out of that with is in the first chapter, he's asking the question because there's a lot of perspectives on who Jesus is. And in the second chapter, he starts the argument for why Jesus is gentle and lowly of heart by emphasizing 
extremely humble beginnings in a manger and under circumstances that are perhaps disreputable uh -huh. um, at that time in history and to this day still yeah. disreputable. Yes, mm. I love that, that he was born under disreputable circumstances and that somehow his, um, <laughs> this isn't the right way to say about God, but that his self-esteem was like, yeah, that's who I'm going to be. That's who, I'm going to shake it up a little bit. So I love that. Well, what y'all talk about? I think from what's been said already, um, how that he was born into, like, like God could have said he was just born anywhere. Yeah. Um, but instead he was born in a manger. Um, and also how God, like, from the very moment of Jesus' birth, he was, like, calling people to Jesus, like the shepherds, the wise men. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that at our table, too, that it's so amazing that the wise men, like, these are not Jewish people. These are just these Eastern guys, right? And they are like, where's the king? There's the king around here somewhere, you know? And mm -hmm. that God is it's the same thing as my story, right? Like, well, he's a pursuer. Like, he's just taking people, plucking mm -hmm. people out of weird circumstances and saying, no, mm -hmm. you, you come right over here with me. You know, and that's mm. what he was doing with the shepherds. Again, shepherds are so, like, low-class mm. citizens, right, in that culture. So really mm. good, really good. All right. Jackson, what you got? I think we talked about the, um, how God shows love in the story about mm -hmm. just coming to all of us in such a, a lowly manner of a baby yeah. in a trough in a manger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, love with a capital L, right? Like to travel mm -hmm. like that and do that. Jackson, you reminded me of um, this one painting that I saw years ago, and it was the nativity, right? And, you know, the Mary's there, and uh, Joseph, the baby's got the... And then there are these angels, and they look so worried. They are mm. fretting. They're like, that's... God and he's in there he's so fragile you know and I it made me think like we don't really know like what the like what how scary that must have been to be like we're gonna put God in such a fragile state mm. right like such a breakable position a vulnerable position and he was doing it all to pursue us yes we were kind of talking about seeing the baby in the manger mm -hmm. and is that where Herod sent the was it he sent the three kings actually to spy on is that the point where he was having them spy on the baby Jesus to see if he was actually the Messiah? Mm -hmm. Yeah so, so already his life was in danger. Absolutely, absolutely. So the 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 three magi came, you know, and said, Hey uh, there's a, a king is gonna be has been born and and so Herod was like, oh, well, go tell me, you know, in a very elusive kind of way, like, go tell me what you find, you know, like, yeah, I want to worship him too. And of course, that was all lies. But then, um, so they went, the Bible says that, that the wise men went home another way to avoid Herod. Mm -hmm. And so his life was spared, but then Herod was so angry that that's when he killed all the babies two and under 
in that region of the world of Jerusalem. So, yeah, I mean, his like, like really his life, he was pursued like an outlaw and had to be a refugee, you know, and go to Egypt to protect, to live. So, yeah, so this is the God we serve. Like, mm. this is his plan. Isn't that amazing? So, okay, Robbie. All right. So I have one word that I'm going to use, and it's uh, intentional. So what do we learn about uh, Bethlehem? It's that he was intentional. By the way, hey, I'm Robbie. Hi, I'm Avery. Nice to meet you, Avery. Um, so let's go all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures, to Genesis 3. So there's the story. This is the chapter of the fall. Adam and Eve uh, kind of go into rebellion. And uh, now at the end of that part, God is meeting out what the consequences are going to be for the rebellion. To Adam, he says a certain thing. To Eve, he says a certain thing. To the serpent, he says this. Um, and this, this is pretty cool. This is you know, 4,000 years, 5,000 years before Jesus. He says this. Um, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So between the devil and the woman, there will be conflict. Between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, destroy you, and you will bruise his heel. Temporarily do some major damage. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. So all the way back, the beginning, God says, okay, I'm going to start rectifying this. I'm going to work this out. It's already a plan, which, you know, I love um, the idea of God already setting in motion the, the situation where we will be redeemed and we will be restored in His in a whole different way. It's so grace-filled. It's one thing to say, oh, honey, here's a surprise for you. Um, by the way, you know her story, I won big time, right? So somehow God hit me upside the head and said, here's some wisdom to say. Because like, to this day, I always say it's her, she that says it, but I get credit for it. That, that's what I came up with that day, and so that's God Almighty saying that. Um, anyway, but if I pull a surprise out of the blue, like, oh, hey, here's dinner. You know, that's one thing. It's nice if I went and got dinner. But what if I have been working for a year for that best dinner ever? And I'm going to fly her to Paris, and that's where we're going to have dinner tonight. It would be a different response than, oh, good, mac and cheese. That's nice. I, I do like mac and cheese, right? Um, that is what I get from the Bethlehem story of it was intentional that God pursued us all the way back. So all the way in Genesis, you get this. Now you got Isaiah. This is 700 years before Jesus. And it says, for a child is born. We can all sing this from the Messiah. What kind of child would this be, you might ask? It's kind of child that the government will rest on his shoulders, called Wonderful Counselor, called Mighty God, called Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What kind of child is called mighty God. What kind of child is an everlasting father abiding, bringing us peace? So plan all along. This is 700 years before Jesus shows up on the earth. This is what we have prophesied in Isaiah. 
Then we continue. And I, this is um, a verse in John. So now we get to the New Testament. And I love this picture. Click. Um, I, oh, sorry. I'm on drugs. Um, before, before I continue, breathe for a second. And here's just a little clip about being a child. Just to kind of give you a picture of what Jesus might have looked like in said birth. So I just wanted to put this in here to kind of, to kind of stir your thinking a little bit of he was a vulnerable child. Like we got to um, babysit our grandchild two days ago. And we're holding her and you're just kind of going, by the way, who held me when I was this vulnerable? Was it a clean environment? What did it look like and all that? And now I'm looking at this holding her. Somebody held Jesus in the same way. And he did that intentionally as a rescue mission for us. Pretty cool. Um, here's another verse that I love. Now we're, now we're in the New Testament, and it says, the word became flesh. And this word in the Greek is logos. And there was an understanding in the Greek world that there was an intelligent creator, some kind of reason, rhyme, logistic being that brokered the deal and made us. And it was always, um, you know, not sure who it was, and there were many gods. But uh, John here co-ops that and says, oh, you are right. There was intelligence behind. That word, that intelligence, that reason actually took on flesh. He wrote himself into the story. So if you will, this is Shakespeare writing himself into the play. So he's the one that rescues uh, Lady Macbeth instead of, you know, whatever that dude's name is. Um, the, the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I love it that the, another version of this says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, which is a beautiful picture of what God did. And then lastly, one more. It works out in this way. So th one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Matthew chapter 1. You know, that's the genealogy. And lots of times people go, uh, yeah, begat, 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 begat. But if you look at what it is, it starts with this is the ancestry of Jesus the Messiah, which means he was human, which means he has a great-grandfather and grandfather and all that all the way down. And so it starts, it says, Abraham, which is the, the father um, that God made a covenant with for all of, the, of these folks, the Jewish race. Abraham, the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. So we're going to keep going down. It's like 14 generations. Then we get to this. Salmon, or Salmon, was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Anybody know anything about Rahab? Prostitute. Rahab was the prostitute that um, was the one that that hid the spies in Jericho that saved basically the race of, of the Jews for that time period. And so she's in the genealogy of Jesus. What in the world does that say about God? Boaz, who, who is her, the father of Obed, continuing downward, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth, there's a whole book in the Bible about Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, so she's an outsider. An outsider who believed, she's in. 
Uh, sketchy story. Whose story is not sketchy? Who's in? Um, then we continue. Oeb, Obed was the father of Jesse. This is how the book of Ruth ends. Jesse was the father of King David, who was, uh, it basically says here, an adulterer and murderer. But he believed in God. And some, somehow he's in the whole list. What does this say about that this is the genealogy of our Lord? That he's inclusive, that he's welcoming, that no one can outsend the grace of God, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or who. The question is really, like Janet just said, where are you going? And Jacob was the father of Joseph, Joseph the father of Mary. I just love this. This is like telling the whole Bible in just one chapter. You can just read one chapter. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who's called the Messiah. And lastly, culminating all of this, this is all in chapter one. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, now he's quoting Isaiah again. We're back to the man. Look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. And so God says, you know what? Call me Emmanuel, which means I'm with you. I want my name to mean my presence is always with you. This is, by the way, the whole point of the scriptures to me. It's not about forgiveness. It's not about making you more righteous or more together or more moral. It is a conduit. Forgiveness is a conduit so God can be with us. It's always about that. And so to me, when I'm looking at this story, that was the plan all along. What a beautiful plan. Uh, let me play you one more little clip. Is it a song? Oh, no. Here's Talk Amongst Yourselves. How does knowing that that was a plan from the beginning make you feel about Jesus coming? So just talk two or three minutes, and then um, we'll, you'll watch another little He Gets Me, and then Chris will be up. There was a mother and a father who had a son. They lived in a small village and didn't have much money, but they were happy. One day, they heard the head of their country was sending soldiers to their town because he thought they were part of an insurrection. The young family decided to flee. They grabbed only what they could carry and ran. They hiked for days, wondering if soldiers might still be following them. They were scared, hungry, and exhausted. But they were far away from the atrocities taking place in Bethlehem. That's all Mary and Joseph wanted, a safe place to call home. Yeah, I would love to just hear your reaction um, to that because I remember I was watching like a football game. Mm -hmm. We might have been together, Super Bowl. Oh wow! And my I, my jaw was on the ground. I just was like, um, I'm, I'm eating a bunch of chips and queso, but um, <laughs> um, um, this is incredible because um, that's the Christmas story in a very different way. So just before we move into the scriptures, like we'd love to just create a few minutes to maybe you've seen that before. Maybe this is your first time, like just to react to that, like how that hits you and just a word or something that you want to share. 
that play during the Super Bowl? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's great. Yeah. But it puts a whole new perspective for me on his, the, the depth of what he did for us and where he came from. Yeah, thank you for sure. Like the boring house that you guys have, and then you make mm -hmm. the life you live, the great experience you have, mm -hmm. how Gruden sort of contemplated relating mm -hmm. to just fear and the anxiety associated with exile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just how privileged we are mm -hmm. in comparison to like our Savior. Ben, that was your first time seeing it. Which, what was your reaction? <clears throat> bold. Hmm. Really bold. I mean, I think it, just thinking about it contextually for you know, watching a football game, it's, uh, it's, not different. It's, it's not difficult to understand the headlines. You know? Like, we know what's happening in most of the world now in seconds. You know? So that, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it certainly... Put something from biblical history in a very turgent way. You know, you think about it, it's just like what Brianna just said, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's something that's so old, you know, but it's it's not like it's new, you know? Or like what you're seeing here, you know what's happening today, it's not like it's never happened before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else? Makes it real. When this played, I remember thinking for like five seconds, oh, this is a political ad. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this is a blue or a red ad. Mm -hmm. Like, where, what's the, 
are we for or against this? Like, what, what are we mm. saying? Mm -hmm. And then the punch at the end of, oh, no, this is the Christmas story. Mm. Um, and they just told it. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, it's right here. But I, I'm, you know, I think when we, when Janet was leading us through just what was your Christmas like growing up, even for those of us at our table that we were, I think we were, all of us were the twice a year club of Easter, Christmas and Easter for the first, you know, um, part of our childhood. But um, we knew a little bit of the story, but we were like inoculated to it. We just heard it so much that it became Jesus and it became, it looks this way and it's in a really nice manger and um, we don't imagine like refugees, you know, yeah. walking and fearing for their lives. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's great to sit in those feelings and mm. recognize that the stories that we read in the scriptures, this was real, you know, this happened in a real time and place. And I was thinking about this quote um, from Thomas Merton. He said um, that the, the ox and the donkey knew more um, about the kingdom than the high priest in Jerusalem, the mm. night of Christmas, mm. that they were, they were witnessing, you wow. know, God, and, you know, right there in front of them. Mm. And even the high priest in Jerusalem couldn't be bothered, you know, to come and, um, you know, Herod himself couldn't leave and, and come, you know, find Jesus for himself. He sent the Magi, mm -hmm. um, just couldn't be bothered wow. um, to give up their lifestyle. So pretty convicting for me. Um, to think about that. Well, I wanted to share um, part of our class every week has been um, also kind of centering around, Robbie shared a few, but some key scriptures and just dialoguing about it together. And I think part of what we hope for is that, um, you know, you can maybe jot down some of these references and go further during the week. And I know some of you are beginning to, I can see like uh, work through Yancey's book and, you know, as we said, that's kind of in the backdrop of our class, like we'll reference that, but I think it helps to take our conversation further. And um, the opening chapter, I know some of you have read the, the Jesus I thought I knew, um, which I think there's a lot of parallels to some of our discussions tonight of the Jesus that we may have grown up learning about twice a year <laughs> um, or was in the corner in a manger scene in our house, but never talked about um, and recognizing that, you know, we have constructed a Jesus um, mm. culturally or familially, and maybe even bits and pieces of truth along the way, but maybe never really understood Jesus for what, like what he said about himself and who he claimed himself to be. Um, so we wanna keep coming back to um, the narrative of the scriptures and what the scriptures tell us about Jesus. And so two passages tonight that I wanted to share. Um, one is from, I'm gonna start with Philippians, is that okay? Um, well, um, just because I think I was thinking about it actually in the He Gets Us video, um, Philippians 2, um, and we've got it here on the screen, but I'll just, I'll just read it. And then I'd love for you to just maybe think about, you know, as we think about God becoming man, you know, um, God incarnate with us, um, taking on flesh, um, like a word that sticks out to you in this passage that maybe... Um, in a new way to think about Jesus or a descriptor of Jesus that, um, that hits you. So um, I'll read it. I'm going to read it from the NLT. Um, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges 
Um, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Um, yeah, I just would love as you hear that, um, as Paul's describing, you know, Jesus, like what, what word or phrase maybe sticks out to you as we kind of get to know um, Jesus in the scriptures' words to us? There a word or phrase that, that sticks out to you? He would have had to empty himself, right? Because, I mean, he was God. Like, he was like, you know, I'm thinking about um, Aladdin and the genie <laughs> who says, you know, whatever he says, and this little bitty little thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but, like, that, that you, you have to, you know, that person, yeah. you're with yeah. um, But that God really, he had to empty himself in order to. Yeah. Come and this little baby. Yeah. This, this fragile, vulnerable baby. Mm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the what was the painting of the angels? Yeah, it's just this I don't know where where I even saw it, but it's like this it's the nativity and Mary is looking on and Joseph and there but then there's these angels, these little cherubs kind of <laughs> flying over the um, the manger. But the angels are just terrified. I mean, they're just going, no, like, be careful. He's a baby. He's a, what's going to happen? This is God, and he's in this little, yeah. This he could break. He could, who's going to, somebody's going to break God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, totally. I don't know what they, I mean, they. Had to be. They're like, not yeah. all knowing. This right? is crazy. So yeah. yeah. Had to be worse. What's the plan? You know? Yeah. What, That's right. How can this be the plan? How can this how be the plan? Wow. So the baby has to trust the people. Yeah. Yeah, yes. that's right. Isn't that true? Yeah. The baby had to trust the people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Say a little bit more about that, Pat. Mm. It's hard to do that. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I really believe it. Yeah. You know, but then isn't it? It's like, well, maybe you just have to jump to a conclusion. Mm. Mm-hmm. But mm. um, it, I mean, I just the thought that you said, like they were all worried, the angels. Yeah. Why would God put them there if they thought they were going to ruin my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had to have a little faith that right. they were going to be okay. They were going to do their thing and do what they were supposed to. Mm. But then in the end, mm. guess what happened? Yeah. Mankind killed it. Mm. You know, and it's like it's it's that thing of like again, Tarotis saying, the pl
So, um, <coughs> so he kind of though let them kill him because they didn't believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, he for sure let them. He wasn't going to tell them. You have to believe. Right. I'm going to come down off the cross. Right. Because I'm going to show you I'm God now. Yeah. Mm. He let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking, I'm so sorry, I was thinking of, you know, Jesus helped to create his earthly mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, mm-hmm. and they weren't perfect. So mm-hmm. they, he had to trust. Yeah. He has an imperfect mom and dad, as we all did. Yeah. Then they're making mistakes with him, you know. Mm-hmm. They're leading him, they're making him dinner, and the Son of God is sitting at their table. Wow. Like, that's a crazy thought. I like that uh, line from Mary, did you know this child that you deliver will soon deliver you? Mm. Yeah, to your point. Did Mary know, Jackson? She did know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry, you... I miss people when I do quality. Oh, yeah. And Mm. it seems powerful to me because New parents. Mm. They've got the Son of God in the bassinet. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I remember driving home the first time from the hospital with this guy. Like, should we have him? Like, I don't think. <laughs> is this legal? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, um, what a great phrase. Avery, how about you? The, the add-on to what she said, like, he had everything when he was in heaven with God mm-hmm. um, because he just stayed there, but he knew that God's plan was for him to come here down to the earth to be the salvation. Mm-hmm. And just him not being selfish in that mm-hmm. way and just emptying himself, like it says, taking on what you would see there. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I was thinking about Genesis 3, you know, what Robbie was referencing, and already God started a redemption plan mm-hmm. in the same chapter where it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. But the temptation, part of the temptation was to be like God. And then I was thinking about that Jesus himself didn't count <coughs> equality with God, something to be grasped, but we did. You know, in our brokenness, we, that's what led to our rebellion, that we can be like God. You know, that he's, this is the exact opposite of Genesis 3. Um, and our choice to, to, be, to, to count ourselves equal to God, mm. and Jesus didn't. Anything else from, from Philippians 2? Any other phrase or word? Yeah, I think about like being empty and a servant. Yeah. Mm. I think about Hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I've never been around these sits, though. They'd be worse. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, same. When you're empty, the last thing you want to do is give. give. I've got nothing left to give. I don't have anything to give. Wow. And yet he has mm. Wow. That's good. Thank you, guys. Can we do one more? You up for it? Or do we have a question? I think we have a question. Oh, yeah. Can we? And I think we've got a question. Um, all right. So this is from Hebrews 4. And um, so we've got it up here, but I thought I would read it. And I'm, I'm going to read I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the, the preceding verse and, and after the 14 through 16, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but 15 is the one we're going to concentrate on. Um, So then, since we have a great high priest, this is describing Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of of our gracious God. There, There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Mm-hmm. Is there a, I know we have 15 up here, but is there a word or phrase in Hebrews 4? As we think about God becoming flesh, he gets us being one with us um, in humanity. Is there a word or phrase that you want to highlight or that sticks out to you? What a great word, accessible. Yeah. It reminds me of, I know you were kind of saying it at the beginning, but just how the, the center of Christendom, of Christianity, has moved. Mm. Did you say four times? Yeah. Four or five times, yeah. depending on I mean, how you see it. If you think about that, like that's really amazing, mm. you know, to think about the center, you know, where the most concentration of Christians are has moved four or five different times in the last 2,000 years. That doesn't happen in other world religions. Mm. Uh, meaning that it skips cultures and people groups and tribes. It can it can move and navigate among different types of people, mm-hmm. different places. Um, you know, as you think about the video that we watched, mm-hmm. and he gets as I heard something this week that most families in the world, 50% of families in the world, live on less than five dollars and fifty cents a day. Mm-hmm. So think about that type of Christianity reaching someone, and and the, that's the epicenter of Christianity reaching 
um, you know, people who are living um, on less than five and a half dollars a day um, and a Jesus that is accessible um, to them. I love that. Thanks for sharing, man. Anybody else? A word or a phrase to think about Jesus being with us and being able to be accessible, relate to us. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I never thought of Jesus as being tempted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just that whole concept kind of like, wow, I guess I would be part of his experience. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just sort of thought he was the gentleman. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It wasn't even part of the Yeah. Which is, so, I mean, I'm so glad that you shared that because, you know, without a passage like this, so let's play that out a little bit. And knowing that Jesus was tempted like we are. How's that change the way we see him? Or if we thought, you know, it's, it's kind of cosmic Jesus, right? Like the, well, you're not really like me. Like you don't, you don't really get us. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, you might have good commercials in the Super Bowl, but you don't really get me because you haven't been tempted. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're willing to share a little bit, anything else about that or just your thoughts about that. Yeah. Just like, mm. man, I'm having, this is a long walk. Yeah. <laughs> just the like, yeah. minor things. Or, I mean, he's a young man. Yeah. There's right. temptation that's part of that. And it's like, yeah. right. oh, geez, I never really thought about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a, um, but the, uh, yeah, it's just funny to me to think about the Jesus versus. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, totally. And I wonder if it had something, I don't know what you think, Robert or Janet, like had something to do with the writer's orientation to a priest or, a, or the high priest, you know, mm-hmm. and a religiosity that they're kind of other than. Yeah. They're not like us. Right, right. Hmm. Anybody else? Mm. There's a reference to 
being made in the likeness of man. Mm. Not quite man. And I always get, whenever I'm reading through the gospel and you hear things that Jesus is saying, they do seem to kind of always rise above the din of the present circumstance and mm. go to some deeper meaning. And that seems like a, like an, there's, an, there's still a godlike element yeah. buried within there. Yeah, fully God and fully man. And there's a mystery to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that I find the deepest frustration with when I'm sh- when I'm struggling mm-hmm. with something, because still in the back of my mind, I think, do you really get where I'm coming from on this? Because you work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a the the crucifixion is probably closest I get to being like, oh, this is this is very real yeah. when someone who could avoid it, kind of like I think what Pat was saying, go, goes ahead and steps into the role out of, <coughs> out of free will to completely, yeah. mm-hmm. completely draw that firm line between right. man, God, and, and man. Yeah. But in the lead up to that, I still, I still wonder, I'm like, is there an element, there's still an, an element of a, of a deity here that's hard to ignore. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that, Matt. Yeah, that's right. Really good. Well, okay. Even in the garden, right? I mean, going back to tempted, even in the garden, he asks if it can be taken, mm-hmm. but he rises above, like the tent, yeah. you know. If, if this could pass him by, you know, we see that real, I feel like, See that real temptation there. Yeah. Um, but it still chooses to do it. Mm. And I heard, like, if you think about his temptation when he goes into the wilderness, mm. and Satan tempts him with three different mm-hmm. things. And y'all can tell us what the three things are, but the what I heard somebody say one time was that really what he was saying is. Will you use your miracles, your God, your divinity, for your own to serve yourself? Yeah. And he never, ever does. Hmm. He never says, "I'm hungry. Let me make some bread. Let me turn this stone to bread." Or, you know, "Oh, it's hot out here. Let me make a fan for myself," or whatever. Like he never, ever does that. Um, and to your point about Gethsemane, to your point about the cross, he, yeah. his, to me, that's the, the beauty of, um, like, how you could say, oh, well, he really tempted at every single, th- like, come on, like, he didn't even have the internet, how can he be tempted, you know, <laughs> and so you said, well, no, that's not, but it's that thing of self, like, are you, are you, are you living for self, mm-hmm. or are you living for God? Mm. And I think that's what the devil was tempting him with in those in the in the wilderness was, who are you gonna live for? Yeah, wow, what a question. I, I I marked this and when I read it in, in chapter four, I really like where um, as the director of says, he tempted he tempted Jesus with the good part of being human without the bad, the state of the taste of bread without being subject to the fixed rules of hunger or of agriculture, to confront risks of no real danger, to enjoy fame and power without the prospect of painful rejection, in short, to wear the cross without the crown. 
Mm-hmm. So I think what you were saying earlier is like Satan is tempting him and even like kind of testing him and saying like kind of confused in a way. It's like asking him like if you are, like if you are, mm-hmm. and if you are God, like prove it. Because he's so focused on like bigger things, you know. It's like mm-hmm. well, how in the world? It's almost like a it seems like a misnomer, you know. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like to to show the proof, you know, is is just saying like you don't have to, you don't have to deal with this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of getting right. into a corner basically. But that was one of the that was one of those lines where like I had to go hmm. back as I'm listening to it, I had to go back and read it again. But that one was really that one was really powerful. Hmm. What page is that on? That's on page seventy-two, chapter four. Okay. And. Uh, we have one more week in that first section. <clears throat> Next week we'll uh, deal with the, you know, how did the Old Testament see Jesus? What's the story in the New Testament and what's the future? And maybe even like prophecies kind of things like that. And that'll close that first section. And then the next week we'll start with why did he come? And we'll address his preaching, the crucifixion, resurrection, yeah. stuff like that. Awesome. I think we've got one more question. I may have asked it. Came, came yeah, I thought you yeah. just asked yeah. it in a. Perfect. You were just <laughs> awesome. that good, Chrissy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn it back over to you guys. Yeah. Thank y'all. So I'd love to just hear if somebody look at this question here, and let's just think about it for three minutes. Um, so if it's true that Jesus. So last week we talked about that Jesus was God, that he was a lot of what he came to earth to, to do is, and what he was trying to do is say, I, all the miracles was, I'm God, I'm God, I'm not just a man. This week we're learning, okay, but he was fully man too. Like Chris said, 100% God and 100% man. How can that be? That's 200%. I don't know. I'm not a theologian. But the, um, that, that's who he was. So how should that change our lives? Um, I, I think about Mary, is yeah. that your name? Like Mary, you just talked about like, I never thought about him being tempted. Well, okay, now that you know he was, how does that change your life? How does that change um, what we should do now? How does that change the way you see him maybe? Might be a different question. He sees you. He knows. He he gets it, and he loves you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows how hard it is. 
I think somewhere that like he's not going to give up on me. If, if it was intentional and it was the plan all along to pursue us and to claim, you know, our hearts for his own, that he's not going to just give up on us because we hit a stretch that's very self-centered or shaming or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, we're putting more shame on ourselves than he mm-hmm. is putting on us. So it's not just that he gets us, it's that he's for us. Mm. You know, he's for us. He, he, he says, you know, I, I did this. You, you, you've, I know what it feels like to be you, and I'm so for you. you. You've got this. You can do it. With my spirit, you can do it. And um, mm. that gives me just encouragement to know he's not going to give up on me. He's not going to, um, you know, walk away from me. He, pre- he makes that promise. So. I hope you'll go home with this question and just be like, yeah, what am I going to do with this God man? Mm. You know, who am I, what am I going to do with this man God? Uh, something to, that we'll, we're going to wrestle with. We're going to keep wrestling with it. So I do want to just, we're going to revisit these questions. I'm not going to read them to you, but these are the questions so far we've collected and we're making commitments um, it looks like eight, week eight is getting busy, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> so, but what, what questions have bubbled up since either tonight or since the last time we got together that you would like to add to this list? Pat, you mentioned something about trusting. Is there a question that you have around that? I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't. It's just hard to trust, you know, and then when you're surrounded by a lot of people who don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who don't, you know, um, you know, who think, who think that, you know, I don't want to get personal, but you know, in my family, you know, they think I'm crazy, you know, when they, what, is that an evangelical church? Oh, you know, yeah. like, it's just, <laughs> it's normal, I'm trying to say to them, but, um, so people are, are normal people there, <laughs> but, so yeah. it's, yeah, you have a lot of people saying things to you that, you know, and your own family, you just can't yeah. even like have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you get excited about something you're reading, and go, "Oh my God, did you know?" Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And you can't yeah. tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. No, Pat, I relate to that so much. I feel like the most of the culture that I or like, I don't know, people I've been around, and cities I've lived in, stuff like that. You could be like, tell people you're, I don't know, the drugs or all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, I was saying to you before, when we moved out of New York, I mean, people were shocked we were moving to South Carolina. Right. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Right. Why are you going there? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Why would anybody go there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I think it's hard to walk. Um, you know, walk that road without your family walking along. Mm. You're you're being called to something a harder road yeah. than some. Would the question be how how do you talk to your family about Jesus? 
or how do you? I talk, talk. very simply. <laughs> <laughs> I do it. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. Guess what I heard this week? I yeah. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, I thought my daughter your um, your sermon. Oh. oh. I did, and you know, she did Interesting. She said, you know, she is part of, you know, it's okay to be gay. So, you know, but she wasn't upset. I sent Mm -hmm. it on. That's good. Yes. That's good. She hasn't turned, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, not to belabor this, but uh, both Robbie and I come from families that really my parents uh, still are just like, what in the world are you doing? You know, so uh, they love me and they say, oh, you're so happy. I'm so glad we're going to play golf on Sunday mornings. I hope that's OK. You know, so um, how do you how do you manage that? How do you how do you manage that? It's not you or can they see. challenge you. You know, God yeah. could be a woman, you know, and yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like out yeah. of all the things to have a conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her, her, her dad uh, told me one night, I don't think there's any difference between Jesus and Santa Claus. Oh, wow. No. Like, yeah. like that's it. There's no place to go from there. Yeah. You know, this. There's this, always a place to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember going to Sunday school and I was really smiling. Like you, you know, I always felt like, who is this person? Where, why are we talking about him? You know, making all these cool, you know, things for Christmas and stuff. But who is he? And why? And yeah. I never, I couldn't understand. Right. But it's also the question I always had as a child and didn't get was, well, if 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 Jesus is was born and he's here. Who's up there? I was, I was so worried. Who's, who's helping us all? <laughs> yeah, you know that whole hundred percent each way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I still ask that. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. Like, oh. <laughs> well, all right. Let's let me close us tonight. Thank you guys again for your. Just bring in your whole self. I'm so glad you're bringing your whole self. It just means a lot to us, so thank you. So, Father, we love you, and we do just stand in awe that you emptied yourself. We stand in awe that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, with our brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, you love us, and you connect with us, even in our brokenness, that you pursue us, um, even when we wander and um, we are grateful. Um, I pray that you will just, in every single heart that's here, that you will just ignite it with a mm-hmm. hunger and a thirst that can only be quenched by you. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that you, we thank you that you are a God who um, is easily found and who is pursuing us. So as we hunger and thirst for you, um, we know that you're there to, to meet us right where we are. So yes. thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.